The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair Podcast with your host, Lakeisha LPC. So I want to remind you guys to save the date for my live holiday show. And I will have a special guest in the building, Mr. Rashawn Miller. He was on session seven and he will be talking about his new book, Injured Reserved, a black man's playbook to manage being sidelined by mental illness and we'll just be talking about how to support people when you're in a relationship with somebody with um, mental health issues um, as well as family friends whoever so it's a really good one to save the date and because it is a holiday special the entry would be either you bringing a children's book or a children's toy that I want to donate to an organization for the holidays So I really hope you guys save the date, December 2nd. I'm so excited and I'll have some goodies. Anybody that knows me knows I love to give stuff away for free. So, you know, y'all definitely won't leave empty handed. So I'm really excited about that. Um, But today I have a very, very special guest with me, Miss Janae C. Johnson. You want to say hi to the TEC listeners? Hi, everyone. <laughs> yes, and she is, I, I will say, and I think she coins herself as a, a mental health teen expert. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah I've been called a teen whisperer in my day. <laughs> I love that, the teen whisperer. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love it. I love Hilarious. it. Yes. So I'm going to read a little bit um, of Miss Janae's bio. And of course, as always, I'll have the full version uploaded on my website at www.theevolvingchair.com. So from suffering from teen depression to being written off by her family and teachers looked at as just another troubled teen, Janae decided to make the choice to take control of how her story is written, which has allowed her to tour and speak to teens and families across the country, uplifting them to change the narrative of their stories. And I, and I really love that piece because um, for me, um, my niche is, is working with children and families. And I work a lot with um, individuals of trauma and we do um, trauma mm-hmm. narratives. So we are constantly changing the narrative of the story um, and not allowing the trauma to, to dictate or define who they are, but, um, but allowing it to be changed and for them to be empowered and feel inspired and overcome by that. So I, I really love that. And, and I wanted um, to have you on here because you are the teen expert and you know because there's so many articles out there that talk about how um teen depression is on the rise and how suicide rates have tripled among girls ages 12 to 14 and increased by 50 Mm percent among girls between the ages of 15 and 19 years old and that you know even for within um the black community you know suicide is on the top realm of things for our young black males. And it's the second leading cause of death of teens ages 10 through 24. And so before we dive Mm -hmm. too, too deep, you know, Ms. Janae, can you just share with us um, why, why you have chosen this as your niche to work primarily with teens and helping them? Yeah. So I decided to work with teenagers because as a teenager, I needed someone like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I suffered from what I now know was depression. I had no idea that's what it was when I was a teenager. 
And I just wonder what my life would have been like had I had extra assistance to intervene. Um, and so from there, I just kind of took that pain, you know, or those pain points and just decided that I can do something positive about it. I knew that I didn't necessarily like what I was going through. I didn't like how things were happening. And I wished even back then I was able to do a little bit more. But what I recognized is that as a teenager, you are limited. Mm-hmm. So no matter how much, and this is a big gripe of mine, how adults can treat teenagers like they're yes. adults when they want them to, mm-hmm. but then when they start to ask themselves or try to take more initiative or whatever the case is or however the adult sees it, it's like you're a child saying a child's place. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, we have to pick which lane we want to be in because this is conflicting and it's problematic for that that child, that teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and so based on that ideology, that's exactly what I felt. It was like, oh, be an adult. But the reality was there wasn't much that I could do without a, without an adult. Mm-hmm. So I still was a child. Um, and so I guess, well, that's the reason why, you know, I decided to work with teens because I needed someone to specifically be focused on, like, my issues. Mm. Um, because I think a lot of times, a lot of times when we see teenagers, we just say, you know, listen to your parent. Everything is just kind of like not about them. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. the one time in life where we don't give any attention. Mm. All like child programming, everything stops at 12. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Then there's nothing that picks up. There's nothing that picks up until you're 18. Mm, that's true. Literally nothing that picks up until you're 18. And so I just wanted to focus on a population that seems to be deprived or seems to be invisible. So that's how I felt. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, they are like that um, missing age group. And I'm glad you highlighted that. Um, I had a guest last uh, week and we talked about that, how just the lapse in programming for the teens out here. Um, and, I, and you know, mm-hmm. I wish it, it could be more to be done. Um, and since because we're talking about programming, what would be like the ideal programs that you would think could better help our teenagers? Because, you know, we see so much in the news about whether they're, um, you know, it's gun violence or them stealing, you know, like what kind of programs do you think could better help them if, if we had that in place? Um, honestly, I think that we need a variety of programs. I think we need all of the things that we have for, for kids, mm. after school programs. So like we think that a teenager isn't going to be interested in that stuff. Yeah. The reality is we take it from them before they can even build an interest. Mm, I so love that. we we don't know. <laughs> We're saying that they don't like it, but they do. Like I have teenagers who are knocking down my therapy door. Like, are you going to run group again? Are you going to do this again? I'm like, you guys don't have anything else to do, huh? You just want to hang out with a therapist. And you know, the but the reality is, it's not that I'm just a therapist. I care about them, and I like to make sure that they have a good time. Mm. So whatever I'm planning, it's fun. They enjoy having fun. So it it really is just kind of the same thing. Like if they had things to do after school, if they could learn a trade, some kids are into dance. Most kids are into dance. All they do is make those musicalies all day, Mm -hmm. dancing around. Um, 
you know, but but dance classes where they can be more of a creative source. Yeah. Um, you know, science courses, math, kids are into things, but I think as they become teenagers, the adults have to be open to letting the teens, I guess, assist with the creativity and innovation because mm. they don't want to learn it the same way that they've been learning it all of these years. Mm-hmm. We have to be a little bit more creative as the adults or allow the teens to come in and help us you know, provide and create the spaces for them. So I actually just think they need the same uh, same content-wise mm-hmm. of what they've had. They just need it packaged differently and a little bit more um, involvement in creating it. Right. And and I, and I hear a lot of that, you know, you got to get the buy-in, right? <laughs> and that's like with anything yes. we do. <laughs> anything. But, you know, we look at, you know, I don't know why. You look at teenagers, like, they don't have a say or they shouldn't. Like, I don't know why we do that. Like, literally mm. only teenagers. <laughs> we don't question, like, children too much. If they said, you know, they don't want to do something. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to try? You know, mm-hmm. we don't. We don't do that with teenagers at all. We just say, I don't know what people say to them. They just forget that they're there. <laughs> they um, do. Like, they horrible it's bad but yeah. I'm here for them I'm there <laughs> I, and I love it I just I love it I love everything about it um now um going back to just about how depression seems to be on the rise amongst our teenagers more than ever in in years before what factors do you think play a role in the increase of depression rates amongst our teens oh man so I think a lot of things play a factor and I will do my best to keep it <laughs> short. Um, I guess one, one of the biggest things is, and I'm not going to say social media because it's not social media by itself. Mm. It's social media compounded or, you know, in, in addition to the lack of parental care. Mm. So, and I don't mean care as in they're not providing like their their basic needs. I mean care as in they're not attentive. Mm. The parents are on social media just as much as the teenagers. Yes, yes. So now, what do we do? We have an adult who is probably a little bit more sturdy or settled within their self esteem and their lifestyle, but we have a teenager that is not. Everything is falling apart around them. All of their emotions are flying every day. Mm-hmm. And we now have this thing called social media where it's like a portal into whatever, whatever you wanted to be a portal into, honestly. But without having an adult kind of, you know, I guess refining you and guiding you like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be on the phone that much. Or, hey, let's go out to the movie. Let's go out to do this. Let's go out to do this. That child kind of gets lost in that, you know, in the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think social media coupled with a lack of connection, like actual physical connection mm-hmm. um, and bonding is what's leading to more depressed um, depression rates. I think schools have become increasingly horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I don't feel like being politically correct about that. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no respite for our teenagers. Mm. Um, in school, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Social media, there's issues. And for some, at home, there's a problem. Yeah. Even even the parents that mean well, mm-hmm. they don't always understand that 
the pressures that they're putting on their youth or trying to save them from something and now they're being super abrasive about it is also impacting them. It's not building them up. It's actually breaking them down yeah. because the teenager now feels they can't be good in any space, mm. like any space. Yeah. There's schools are hard. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that of all of those factors are a lot of the reasons why teen depression is on the rise. And again, I, I know a lot of parents aren't, attempting to harm their children but it's Mm -hmm. like the fear of them not wanting to go down this one rabbit hole Mm -hmm. is pushing them down a different a different one because now that teenager has no place to be safe and to actually be themselves or they feel that they're not worthy being themselves um we have a very large rape culture Mm -hmm. and i don't think a lot of people even understand how pervasive this rape culture is in schools. The things I hear teenagers say, and I'm like, oh, that was a violation. What do you mm. think? And they're like, really? Like, they have no idea that wow. some of the things that are happening to them, like, require their consent. Wow. And, and it's just like, okay. So it's literally no matter where they go. And then it's like we have the adults that may say things to the children, like, Oh, you shouldn't be wearing those form-fitting clothes. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, why are we do? We, we shouldn't do that to our girls, right? The, yeah. the conversation is around if you know her body, she should be autonomous around her body. And if someone is being offended by that, that's on that person. But we're, we're you know, we're so spare, stuck in this fear response um, that we are also breaking down our young girls too, and yeah. boys. Yes. And I, and I love that you said that because just um, a few days ago on the radio, it was like a, a small blurb as I was listening and talked about um, a caller called in and said, you know, what's wrong with our community, um, even with the teenagers is that we raise our girls, but love our boys. So going back to what you said, like, mm-hmm. we're kind of like, you know, um, beating down our girls emotionally and just, you you, you know, like... T- uh, 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 addressing the way that they dress and, and not really trying to love them to embrace who they are and how they look. But yet it's like, oh, it's bad to wear that. It's bad to do that. It's bad to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think that we stop to even think about this is something I always struggle with. I've always been busty. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager or maybe even this, fifth or sixth grade is when I began to really develop. Well, I was developed by back then. They were like, whoa, what did you call? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, I'm a mutant. Like, it was just like, I was so confused about my own body. Like, uh-huh. oh. But, you know, this happened. This whole thing called puberty and body mm-hmm. growth happened because that's like life. Yeah. And what I noticed is the response to me became so different. Everyone began thinking I was fast and everyone mm. began thinking that and I'm like, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> everyone is having this narrative about me based on my body changing without mm. my control. Right. I didn't tell my breast to grow. Right. But yet I am being penalized. I am being mm. shamed. You know, slut shaming wasn't out back then, but I'm being right. shamed because I'm developed now. Mm-hmm. So it's like because I have these breasts, now everyone's paying me attention that I didn't ask for, that I don't want, that I'd rather you all leave me alone. <laughs> yet you've all created a narrative for me 
you're sharing it about me and mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here like, what is going on? And that's why I wore sports bras. I didn't, I'm being like so open here. I don't <laughs> wear, because uh, I'm just like, I mean, I'm on the topic because I just, I think it's going to be helpful, right? Yes. I didn't wear like an actual like bra bra comfortably until I went away to college. Wow. I wore sports bras because I tried to conceal them. Wow. Like, wrap them up. I just didn't, I didn't want the attention and the energy that I felt came from the fact that I was busty mm. and, uh, and a teenager. Mm-hmm. But again, this all started at a very young age because I was busty for a sixth grader. And I just was, I was really confused and perplexed by the whole thing. Like, I can't believe I'm being called, you know, yeah. in our culture, we like to say that little fat blank girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can curse on a podcast, you know, <laughs> she grown, she this, she that. Yeah. And it's just like, what did she do? Mm. Like, she didn't do anything. Her body changed, but she didn't do anything. Yeah. She's probably trying to navigate her body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just something to, it is it is something that we do and and we as women mm-hmm. tend to knock down our young girls and then we as women do not hold guys accountable for their wandering eye. Exactly. And we don't hold them accountable for their so it's just kind of like as women I've always wondered that. I said, Is there something biologic like biological hmm. or something that happens biologically with women when a girl in their life hits puberty? Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, we have our fight and, you know, fight flight responses and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, is there something in a woman that, like, spearhead jealousy? Something has mm. to happen. You you know, and I'm glad something you said that. Right, because anybody that knows me knows, like, okay, look, you finna go back to slavery with this. I am, I am, um, and, and, and I, I attribute it back to that. You know, think about how it was between us back back in slavery. We were jealous of mm-hmm. the one in the house versus the one in the field. You know, mm-hmm. so I, 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 Janae, my head always goes back to slavery <laughs> with, with with a lot of our issues that we have in our community. <laughs> Yeah, like, it, it. there just has to be something. Mm-hmm. There has to be something that, you know, it's subconscious, of course, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't blame anyone right. for it because I truly believe it's, it's subconscious, but there's something about it. Like, there's something about that, about that relationship because it always, the mother-daughter relationship primarily seems to always get sour around puberty. Mm. Like, without, like, without fault, it, it gets sour. And I don't, I'm not quite sure why. And so to that point around raising our daughters and loving our boys, that's exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if we feel the girl, huh, and see, look, look at my mind moving. It's almost <laughs> as if we feel the girl doesn't need the love because she'll be, end up being the superwoman like I am, mm-hmm. you know, because yes. black women tend to kind of, you know, right? We tend to have this whole like, Superwoman, I could do all things when we know we shouldn't be doing all of that to ourselves. Yes. But we have this thing, and so I'm wondering if we subconsciously pass that down, like to our child, like, look, you're gonna have to. The world is gonna expect so much from you. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to superwoman up right now. Yeah. This yeah. is the best lesson I can give you: is to, you know, be your first critic or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Because yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. 
Yes. And and just to expound <laughs> off of that, I'll actually be in Chicago this weekend doing my workshop. I'm every woman. And I title it just for that sake that we um, as women, we take on so much and we feel like we um, have to do it all. And, you know, we don't need that support. And we keep going and we keep going until we break down where we're either sick down and out. And you know what I mean? Um, or in somebody's right. chair. <laughs> So, <laughs> yes, and I'll be um doing that for the Black Mental Wellness Weekend in Chicago. So, yes, I'm glad you touched on that. That is awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, now, Janae, what are the most common concerns you see um, presented to you with the teens you work with? Oh, sure. So um, there's lots of bullying mm. that I am actually going to say, because I say it on every podcast or every platform I get. I mm-hmm. think the term bullying is overused and misused. Mm. And I say that because our children lack the capacity to properly resolve conflict. Yes. And most of them just do not know how to properly communicate. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is they take these, you know, routes of attempting to connect or and, and that's how it kind of turns into very, you know, harmful situations like bullying. Mm-hmm. But I do not think every situation that we may hear of in schools is actually bullying. And to be honest, I think we're doing our children more harm than good with the whole like bullying intervention <sighs> systems because mm-hmm. they only promote isolation. Mm. They're, they're really not promoting um, social skills and, um, you know, how to be a good friend. Like kids don't even know, they don't know how to do that. Right. So it's kind of like when you when someone's being bullied and it's like, oh, we're going to separate them. We're going to send this person to the next class or we're going to do this. That child didn't learn that what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. The other child probably didn't learn. They never had an opportunity to just communicate. They don't know. They didn't have a chance to process. Mm-hmm. It's promoting more isolation, and I think a lot of our youth are literally trying to find connection, but because there are so many different things in place, they're struggling to find connection, which I think is also tied into the high depression rate. Mm, Half of these kids that are, you know, being bullied or in bullying situations, they were all friends at some point. Yes. For the Mm -hmm. most part, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think what happens is they just didn't get enough support or have enough knowledge around how to handle friend breakups Mm -hmm. or how to handle just disagreements. Mm -hmm. We can still be friends, although we disagree. Right. You know, they they don't they're not being taught those skills. Mm -hmm. And so I think because there's a lack of those skills being taught, they really don't know. And so they end up maybe imitating some of their other peers and things. And then I think that's how things kind of just really grow out of control and can end up being a bullying situation. But I do think overall schools could do a better job with language Mm, and the kind of not framing everything like as, um, as bullying. So anyway, bullying comes in often um, social media conduct comes in often. Ah, and now is it just like uh, misuse of like sending inappropriate pictures or like going back and forth? Like, I'm going to fight you. We're going to fight on this. You know, like, is it stuff like that or? Right. Uh, it's usually sending things inappropriately. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, that, there's a whole culture around that. Mm, yeah. um, if I'm honest, there is an entire culture. I'm always like, <laughs> what's that? What does that mean? <laughs> they teach me all kinds of stuff. My one girl, she was like, you don't know what that means? I'm like, uh, no. Like, I know I look young, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> um and then she was like, okay, I'm going to make sure you hit. I'm like, thank you, because I need to know what this is. Um, but there's there's definitely a whole kind of like culture around inappropriate video sending, picture sending, exposing. Mm. Um, middle schoolers, teenagers, they have like bolts of like inappropriate things waiting for an opportunity to expose. Mm-hmm. And that is um, very interesting. But that's that's like a defense mechanism, right? Like, in case you hurt me, I have this against you. Yes. So again, it kind of goes back to that, how am I learning to cope? How am I learning to deal with conflict or disagreement? Because Mm -hmm. exposing should never be the answer. Right. But that's kind of what they have created for themselves to be the answer. Mm -hmm. So, bullying, um, social media, misconduct, um, and I would say just like overall, just like depression, to be honest, mm. self-esteem issues. Um, yeah, it's just really sad. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, I try to I try to make our sessions fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, all of them won't be all of them won't be fun. But I try to just make sure that they understand it's a safe space to get those sad feelings out because I'd rather you be like sad here, get it out and try to live a happier life when you leave here. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's what comes in the most. Those Mm. issues come in the most. Awesome. Awesome. Now when you're working with the teen um, and I'm pretty sure you are probably like me in that um, retrospective thing. When I work it with the children, I'm like, although the child is my identified client, the whole family is really my client. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I just can't work with the baby. And, uh, you know, I'm teaching them these skills. And yet, you know, the parents struggling with reinforcing or or changing how they communicate and how they, um, you know, uh, address the child and, and the challenges that they're trying to work through. So how do you deal with that? Because, you know, I, I, I've had it on the other end, too, where I've worked with the teens and the parents are like, they're they're your client. Like, ain't nothing wrong with me. Like, they the ones in therapy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um okay (laughs) so how do you battle that (laughs) um if i'm if i'm really honest i'm in a place right now in my practice where the families are just really being supportive of the struggles that their team is currently going through Mm. so there there isn't much of a family component at the current time Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that i won't have clients where it is more of a, you know, family piece that has to be worked on. Right. But right now, most of my clients are just trying to navigate their existence as a teenager. Mm. Um, and I don't bring in their families a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still bring them in. You know, I have one girl where I kind of bring in mom like once a month for a family session. Mm-hmm. But I, I try to keep the ses- their sessions their sessions because again it goes back to my whole ideology that there are no safe spaces for teenagers mm-hmm. and so I don't want to make our session you know make them feel that it isn't about them because mm-hmm. I've, I I can 
I sense that sometimes when I do bring in the family and I try uh, to coach them so that they know, mm-hmm. like, okay, I had one girl, she was completely upset that her her mom was coming and she was like, this is my hour. Oh. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, that this is, you know, I needed, you know, mom to come in. She was like, she can come, but she just needs a different hour. And I'm like, I don't have that many hours. Okay. <laughs> She was like so serious. She was like, no, like I don't mind us doing family therapy, but like this hour is mine. And I was like, you are so possessive in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> right. not playing. She was not happy about that. She was like, we could do like two sessions, but like this one is supposed to like for me. I was like, girl, it don't work like that. Oh, I um, love it. Oh, they are a riot. But but that that helps kind of put it into perspective that wow, they really mm. don't have enough spaces, you know? No. So yeah. it, it is something that I try to just be cognizant of in terms of like, okay, if I'm bringing a parent in, I want to make sure I'm coaching my teen enough so that they know they're coming. They know what the conversation is mm. going to be about because they're always on pins and needles trying to figure out like, oh, are you going to share something we talked about? Mm, you know, so yeah. I, I have to be very um, strategic in how I implement the family um, into the session. So, mm-hmm. so far, I really haven't had too much of an issue with it. All of my parents are, they've been very open and receptive to any suggestions that I've given them um, outside of, you know, the session. So, it's so far, it's been, it's been okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, but I have definitely experienced parents not, you know, really thinking that they had a role in it and that's okay too you know you roll with whatever the presenting issue is and you do what you got to do right to kind of get to where you have to go Mm -hmm. and sometimes they don't even see it coming and it happens and it's like boom (laughs) and then then you're ready you know you're ready to rock and roll so Mm -hmm. that's for sure and now um janae how do you create those safe spaces for the kids because you know of course the the goal is not for them to be in therapy forever um but how do you then allow them to to look at at what's in their um community or in their school and and do like i don't i don't I guess a warm handoff, I guess you can kind of say for them to um, have those additional safe spaces as teenagers. Right. So um, part of what I like to do is make sure that they fully understand their goals. Mm -hmm. They understand, you know, what was the, you know, the issue that brought them into me. Mm -hmm. And I really help them along the way with seeing that they're making progress. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so that when the opportunity comes for them to have to separate from me they can understand you know okay I've I've done this this has been you know good for me I like it and and now I know that I can handle myself outside of this level of support Mm -hmm. um and kind of like you said trying to make sure that it's the warmest handoff and it's something that you already know that they're going to enjoy doing Mm -hmm. um if I'm honest, since I've started private practice, mm-hmm. my clients have stayed with me. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, my consistent clients have, have just been parked with me. They're like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> so and we I'm are like, going y'all are anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, y'all gotta go. Something. They're like, uh-uh. You know, they are. Um, and I'm like, dag, am I making it too safe? Like, what am I doing? 
point. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you the mom. You are the dopest a- teen therapist there is. So they ain't like, we uh-uh. We can't find nobody else. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. Because I was talking to one of my girls. It's funny. I was talking to her about, like, possibly discharging, you know, like, successfully. And I said something about, like, you know, because one day, you know, you won't be. I was like, ah, that is not going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, ma'am, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but I, again, you know, in all fairness, I think it's going to be important for them to also kind of have a say and be ready to yes. launch, you know, yes, because I think sure. that that's also important around the success of them. You know, the transition is, is when they are also ready mm-hmm. for the transition. Um, but definitely kind of just making sure it's super warm and that, they are able to identify another safe space, um, whether that be, you know, workshops that they can go to where they write um, or they do art, just something else where they're able to be expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of always my first thought and go to. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, now, in terms of communication, um, and, you know, you spoke to it a bit early on, you know, we kind of dismiss our teens and, and take things away from them without even allowing them the opportunity because we're already made up in our mind. Okay, they're not interested. They ain't gonna try and hear what I have mm-hmm. to say. So as adults, how do we communicate effectively to those teenagers? Just oh, in general, man. whether so, you know, whether in school, at home, in the community. Right. Um, I think one of the biggest things I would love to see adults do is use more I statements. Hmm. And I know that sounds so corny, but I think we have to talk to teenagers in the place that rings or speaks more to compassion. See, we think that teenagers are like, some people think that teenagers are like ruthless and they don't really care. But the reality is they care a lot. They care to more, they care more than any other person in the world because mm-hmm. that's all they do is run on emotions. Mm. That's it. Anything emotionally based will get a teenager to do anything. That's why we look at them like, how could they do that? Cause their emotions were on a thousand. <laughs> and I, I think that if we took more time to appreciate the, the, ability for them to be so empathetic and the ability for them to be so sympathetic and their ability to still be tuned in with their emotions like that, we would appreciate them more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that's one of the key ways to get to a teenager is by using an I statement because you're not blaming them. You're going to speak from your own emotional perspective and that will speak to any teenager. Mm. So instead of saying, you know, you need to stop hanging out with those friends you need to say you know I really love you and care about you and I worry that those friends may not lead you down the right path mm-hmm. or and and that sounds completely different but it's the exact same thing it is <laughs> reframing it's, it's, it's the exact same thing right mm-hmm. but I think adults and then struggle with the idea of I shouldn't have to do all that for a teenager and it's yes. like but stop you would want someone to talk to you that way too. Yes. And we forget that. It's like, oh, you know, all of the violence that I see, oh, I would smack them. Oh, do you want somebody to smack you every time you make a mistake? <laughs> like, it, like I know adults get real mad at me on Facebook because I will do that all day if I have time. <laughs> I will sit on threads and respond to adults like, wow, what, in the, what a world it would be if someone just smacked you every time you did something wrong. <laughs> 
That's what I do. I help y'all plug. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you always and forever. Um, so <laughs> the name of my practice, guys, is uh, Teen Talk, and I'm based out of Philadelphia, PA. So if you know anyone on the East Coast or if you're listening and you're on the East Coast, please find me. Um, yeah, and I, I work with teenagers. I also have a parent coaching program, and I also, from time to time, create products for parents as well. So on my website, I have a guide that's titled The Ultimate Guide to Understanding Your Teen and Still Love Them, (laughs) (laughs) which I have so much joy like writing that because I think a lot of adults, you know, they they get frustrated with their teenager, but I wanted to help them, you know, navigate that whole process. Um, I have something called Circle of Feelings that I've had clinicians and mentors purchase, and it's the feelings pack. And it's a creative way to get your teen or your preteen to talk because it's a variety of emotions and they get to color in the pinwheel how much they're feeling that feeling. Yes. Um, And just a side note, I I downloaded that too. So (laughs) I did. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I've gotten a lot of like, you know, responses from that around 
mentors using it and you know my one good friend she has a mentoring program and she said you know the girls were so um shy and they were they didn't want to talk but when I gave them that assignment and like asked them they colored it in and then they shared she's like they all opened up and realized they had so much in common and they were so supportive of each other um and she was just like, it brought tears to some of her eyes. So, you know, hearing stories like that just really keep me going because that's why I, I create. I create so that I can push out to the masses mm-hmm. and help more people. Yes. Um, and so that ties right into why I wrote Dear Teen Self because I said to myself, I want to help a million girls be able to feel confident about themselves, mm. not be pushed into negative situations, um, know when it's time to let go of certain friends, know when it's time to reflect on self. But I know they all can't come in my office, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. I created a tool that they could have. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that when they needed to get feelings out or when they needed to be reminded, they had access to the tool. Because there were a lot of times where I had people there for me, but I couldn't get to them when I'm up two o'clock in the morning because I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. And now I'm watching the sun. Like, I can't get to those people. They're sleeping. Right. So I journaled. You know, I journaled to kind of get my thoughts out. And so that's why the book also has a journal portion. And my guided journal is actually um, shipping out later this month. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about these tools. And Dear Teen Self, uh, was a hashtag originally. <laughs> um, the original, the original name of my book was something completely different, oh. and I was like, "That's too long to be on Instagram." <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to use it again. I may use it again as a title. It was a um, hundred things I tell my teenage self, which is still a cute title. It is, but I was like, right, and my cover was adorable. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and I had a cover up, done and everything. Oh, and wow. then I went through hashtags like, okay, well, I need to hashtag that. I was like, I cannot hashtag that. And then mm-hmm. literally, I came up with like their teen self as a hashtag. I love and it, and I looked at it. And me and my, you know, my significant other at the time, we looked at it and we mm-hmm. were like, that is it. And I was like, that's it. And then it was just like, that's it. And then I emailed my graphic designer and said, look, this is it. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> go for it to go for it and be prosperous. <laughs> um, so that's what happened. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, I love, I love that book and that cover. I just like, I'm in love with it. Yes. Yes. I love it. And, and you know, I'm such a fan of um, bright colors. So I appreciate your bright colors. Cause I feel like I remember either you were posting or um you made a video about like, you weren't sure about like how people would perceive your bright colors, but I was like, I'm here for it. Like I, I'm bright colors. <laughs> like I love those colors. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Like it was, it was such a struggle. I struggled out of grad school. Um, I love lipstick, high heels. I am probably, I'm the quintessential girly girl. I love pink glitter. Like I'm a girl, girly girl all the way. And I will never forget, like after grad school, I was going to work with no heels on, no lipstick. And I, boy, I thought I was depressed all over again. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. You know, I was Uh like, I can't. Because, you know, there's always this talk about professionalism and grad yes. school mm-hmm. as, you know, i.e. dress. And it's mm-hmm. just like, hmm, I'm not saying that there that there isn't a, there is a professional, you know, sense of decorum. But it's, it all it is also like, 
I need to be myself. If I'm yeah. not going to be myself, I'm not going to be confident in these sessions. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm not helping anyone. Hello. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, I just put on the lipstick, put on the heels, <laughs> and I was like, now we ready to go. <laughs> now we can do this. <laughs> and I tackled all kinds of stuff. Like, I would be... My I worked in a residential, and my girl. What? Re- Wait! <laughs> you wore your heels to residential. <laughs> Listen, when I tell you I'm a girl, <laughs> oh my god! And my girl thought it was hilarious because I told them I said, <laughs> you know, they have the opportunity to able and run off campus because uh-huh. it wasn't, you know, locked. Right. And. One of my girls like ran one day and then they came back and I had a meeting with all of them because like my whole caseload was just tight like that. I don't mm-hmm. know just how I ran my ship. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do Miss Janae girls don't do? They said, we don't run. I was like, why is that? Because Miss Janae wear a lot of nice cute shoes and she's not running in them. Thank you. Look, <laughs> we could talk about whatever is going on. Well, we're not running down, down the road, girls. We're not, we're not running down the road. And so, you know, it. It's just important that anyone listening that's like a, a student or mm-hmm. new, just be yourself because that it. always just impacted my clinical ability. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not good at clinical, but it just it just really framed who I was and that it was just real, right, and raw mm-hmm. for my girls. And they understood I was being myself and I was being genuine. There's no fluff here with me. This is all real. And, you know, when you're working with teens, they need to know that. They need to know you're real with them and that you're genuine and this is who you are. And so it just all works for me. So just just be yourself, you know, just be yourself. Yeah, I struggled with those colors for a minute. (laughs) But like I said, I love them. I love them. Once I actually saw yours, because for me, I was like, man, like, because I'm more that vibrant, like happy sunshine person. And, you know, I love bright, vibrant colors. And, you know, I agree. You know, I think we are taught, you know, certain decorum, um, professionalism status in grad school where it's like, oh, them colors might be a little too bright. People might be like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Do I? Uh-huh. But I'm slowly incorporating them in, in stuff I post. So, yes, thank you for, you know, being bright and vibrant with your colors. <laughs> Girl, I am happy to be here in pink. <laughs> yes. Now, now, Janae, um, what would you, if, if you can talk to your teen self, what would your dear teen self say to you? Oh my gosh, my I would say to myself, never dull your never dull your sparkle. Mm. Never ever dull your sparkle. I've literally been this way probably my entire life. But because so many different things were happening to me, I was like, okay, let me just try to shut it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me try to pull back. Let me not try to be you know, kind of out here in the spotlight. But I recognized even when I was attempting to shut it down, the same stuff was happening. And it was just like, well, dad, I'm trying not to be in the light, but, (laughs) you know, and I would just tell myself, like, don't even bother. Mm. Do you and and just and just do it wholeheartedly. It's okay. Those that need it will get what they need. Those that don't. Well, I don't know. (laughs) That's not for me to that's not for me to know. Um, so that's what I would tell myself, just to never, never dull your shine. 
I love it. I love it. And now before we hop off, can you let the listeners know where they can find you? If they be like, man, you know what? I, I'm in Philly. I, I need to go to her or my baby need to go to her <laughs> or something. <Yeah. laughs> Come on and see me. I'm Okay, guys. So like um, I said earlier, you can find me on my website, which is www.teamtherapytalk.com. Um, you'll find everything that I do, all of the resources, um, books, coaching, therapy, how to get connected. I offer a free 15-minute um, telephone consultation. So we can just kind of chit-chat about what's going on and see if I'm a good fit. I'm a very big advocate on making sure I'm a good fit um, for your family. And, yeah, follow Dear Teen Self and Teen Talk Therapy. We're, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah, when you go to the website, get on the email list because I do a lot of different cool events and have different sales and things. Um, so that's where you all can find me. Awesome, awesome. I love it. I love it. And thank you again, Miss Janae, for being my very special guest. Like y'all had a teen expert here, a uh, marriage and family therapist, teen expert. Like she the bomb, y'all. Because you were also, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> yeah you, I, I follow you, you know, and and <laughs> and read what you put out there, um, or watch your videos. You know, definitely great quality of content. And you know, you were also um one of the ten black female therapists you should know from by the Huffington Post, um, by Miss Marlene yes. Francois. So you know, shouts yes, out to you, Marlene, congratulations. So, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, and um, happy belated birthday because I know you were celebrating your birthday. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm like going to be celebrating for the rest of the month. I'm going to tell everybody it's still my birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. And thank you again for joining me and being a guest on the Evolving Chair podcast. And until next time. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Peace. Bye. Hey, TC listeners. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share and rate this podcast. You can send me emails with questions, comments, and feedback to TECpodcast2017 at gmail.com. On Twitter at TECpodcast2017. IG at TECpodcast. Facebook, The Evolving Chair Podcast. Or check out my website at www.theevolvingchair.com. So go listen to me on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play.